Welcome into another episode of Car Stories. My name is AJ. And I'm Chris. And today we are joined by Brendan Flynn, who is the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications for the Los Angeles Auto Show. The Auto Show is coming up November 21st through the 30th. You can check out tickets and more at LAAutoshow.com and Twitter.com. Use the hashtag LAAutoshow. That was a mouthful. Brendan, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. That was perfectly said, by the way. Thank you. Uh, we have a ton of auto show stuff to talk about. Uh, we're excited to hear about all the debuts and concepts coming out this year. Uh, we're excited to attend. But before we get into all of that, uh, we'll go back to your automotive childhood. Yeah. What was your first automotive memory? You know, I've had the sickness for everything that moves since I was a little kid. I grew up in this hilly neighborhood in Pasadena, and I would strap wheels to anything. And then take it down the hill. And so all my early lessons ended up with blood spilled. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So it went from, you know, anything that could move to I scored a um, a moped from my uncle, which was an old Piaggio pedal moped. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And I used to flog that thing through the neighborhood and crashed it so many times that I'd be wearing long sleeve shirts and pants all all summer long, so my mom wouldn't see these scabs all over my body. How many bones did you break? And take it away. I've broken lots of hand bones and wrist bones. Yeah. <laughs> there is there is something about uh, someone who's a car guy before they're able to drive a car. It's anything with an engine that uh, anything that's a little bit above your bike, you know, that you don't have to power yourself. You want to use. I had yeah. a go ped as a kid. I had that, a go kart. Yeah, you had a go kart. Yeah. My friend had the you know you pull in the clutch, you pedal, you let out the clutch to start it. Yeah, moped. It's like it's anything m- movable you will ride or get on. Exactly. And it just, I mean, I didn't even care. It didn't have to be nice. I had a, you know, from there I progressed to a VW bus, which we called the portable passion pit in high school. And I'm going to guess that uh, yes. there are some pretty good stories that you can't tell on the air. <laughs> yeah, there were some there were some good stories. I had a hidden key in the engine compartment. I'd come out all the time and there'd be my buddies in my van with the curtains closed. And I'm like, I got to go home. You guys got to get out of there. Yeah, I, I imagine, though, the, the I girls. Gotta, you got to take a hose to this thing and clean it yeah, up. Yeah, you like try yeah. to convince it was a passion pit. Maybe it would say otherwise. Yeah, the smoke pouring out the windows. What? Uh, you looked like Spicoli <laughs> exactly. popping out of the van. Exactly. Or Cheech and Chong. Before Spicoli. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that? Was that your first car? That was my first car, a 1973 VW bus. That's not a bad nice. car to start was it off a, with. What, did it have the camper top or was no, it just a straight? No, just a straight-up bus, and I pulled the middle seat out and Threw some beanbags in there. Now, oh, I was going to yeah. say, was this sort of at the height of bu- of vanning, custom vans? Uh, no, I think that was probably a little earlier because this was in the um, 80s. Okay. And the height of custom vanning was like 70. So you didn't need this to This was any... the height of custom conversion vanning. Yes. Yeah, right. You didn't need to put any shag carpet in there or a... I wasn't that pimp. I it would have been like... about velour by that time. <laughs> this was my mom's car that she just gave to me. Oh, right. so... Yeah. So I assume the passion pit came after it was much. Your yes. mom didn't say, "Hey, Brandon, here's yes. the portable passion pit." No, no, <laughs> I was not a, conceived in the VW bus. It's a family heirloom. Treat it, <laughs> treat it. That's with, a question uh, we haven't asked our our guests. Where yet. were you conceived? What car were you conceived in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never a, asked, and I don't want to know. <laughs> I had a friend who proudly told me his parents were conceived on the Queen Mary when it was a running ship, and I went. I don't want to know 
how that conversation came up in your family. Yeah. Awkward. But it was a he said it with with pride. Uh so you you kind of grew up around cars and you're very much in a car culture. How did you decide you wanted to sort of pursue an automotive path professionally? You know, I, I didn't. I was in uh, electronics and um, video games and even some public policy and a whole bunch of different communications areas. And one day, the guy who ran the Yamaha account and also the Playboy TV account at Golan Harris, which was an agency I worked at, just quit. And so the general manager came to me and said, hey, we have two accounts we need you on, but you, I mean, we need you to pick one to lead. So he's a Yamaha or Playboy TV. That's Look tough. at those choices, wow, right? Wow, that's like, a tough one. If you take a Yamaha, there's a, a R6 in the parking lot that you have to get out of here and take home. And I'm like, Yamaha. Oh, I was gonna say, but if you <laughs> what take, came with the Playboy? <laughs> take Playboy. Then. There's a bunch. There's Miss December. Probably a bunch of grief is what I was thinking in actuality. Yeah, a bunch of drama and grief and high maintenance <laughs> well, naked chicks. Why? And I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> motorcycle <laughs> naked ladies. I always, that is a tough. Decision. You always think I don't want to go to the Playboy Mansion because it can never be nearly as cool as you think it is. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking the Playboy TV thing sounded awesome, but yeah. it was going to end up being lame. It's going to just be nothing but a headache. Just, yeah, just be tortured. Really? So you went. <laughs> I mean, look at I all this know. and you can't have any yeah, of it. You can't have any of it. <laughs> you, you, went, uh, you went down the Yamaha route. You had an R6. So, and that just, you immediately were you hooked on, I need to be in this world. Were you into bikes at that time? You know, so I've always been kind of a two wheel guy. I've had my love of motorcycles is a little more uh, sick than my love of cars. And I had, you know, started with that moped. And then in college, I had an old Kawasaki 250 with no electrical or lights or anything that I used to flog around. And then I took a little break from that. And then, um, you know, at Yamaha, when I had the account, I got a new bike every eight weeks. So I never even had to wash one. I would pull it back into the the loading dock and get off and get on a new one. So I did that for four years, and I loved it. It was a sickness for sure. Motorcycles are just amazing. But the, there wasn't a lot of job growth in the motorcycle world, and so I ended up sure. getting into uh, cars and yeah. some motorsports. Yeah, the car world is small, and the motorcycle world is an even smaller subset of that, of the automotive yeah. world. Yeah. So when, um, how did you, when did you get hooked up with the LA Auto Show? It was uh, not until 2007, and I started doing the motorcycle gig in about 94, probably. So between that time, my agency world kind of kicked me. I got out of the whole motorsports, automotive, motorcycle world, and it, I was just miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was doing, I went to a technology startup like everyone did in 2000, right? Oh, right. I make my millions, and then yeah. I'll buy any car or motorcycle I want. So that didn't work at all. And then, so I finally uh, figured I just got to get back into it any way I can. And I started working with Yokohama, and I got into the whole drifting Very deal. Cool. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is where I need to be. And so I just started when, getting When clients. was that that you were working with Yokohama and drifting? Um, right when they launched the D1 and did that first Irwindale event um, that sold out. Wow. I don't know if you remember. It was kind of like the the day that drifting was born. Yeah. And, yeah. What? <laughs> what? How did they uh, present it to you? I mean, did you even know drifting existed before you got that project? Or, or uh, Yeah, I was working with Yamaha, and they were yeah. getting involved in sponsoring some um, – some drivers and then they said do the d1 grand prix is going to come and we're a sponsor of that what should we do and so we said let's do a media day the day before and so i organized all you know that whole media day and invited everyone out and so i was educated on the whole drifting world gotcha and, um 
And back then it was getting criticized a lot, right? There was a lot right. of people that thought, oh, drifting, it's not. And I thought it was amazing. It was like the last lap of a motocross race. Yeah. Like over and over yeah. and over. I'm like, this is fantastic. What yeah. is, what's not it's to like show. about it? Yeah, yeah. right. It, yeah, it's a, it's a very quick, it's the, you know, it's the quickest, most loosest race. It's your, and you, you follow it from, you know, from the right side, comes over to the track, over to the left, and you're done. You know, there's no 500 laps, three hours, red exactly. flags. And, and, and not that that's a bad thing. It's just, it's, you know, it's for the ADD race fan, I guess. <laughs> yes. It's, it's a race fan with ADD. You like, and, and I, you know, I love, I love watching some drifting. We had Von Gittin Jr. in here who, uh, you know, knows a thing or two about yes. going, going sideways, especially at Irwindale. Um, so what, uh, how does that sort of compare to, to what you do now, you know, coming up with the, how do you sort of tie all of that into working at the LA auto show? Well, you know, the auto show, especially recently, we've kind of just like the Peterson making bold moves. We've been yes. reinventing yes. the auto show and trying to make it more relevant to where the auto industry is going. And we've seen everyone kind of focus more on uh, the lifestyle side of automotive and so we're doing that same thing. So my experience with all these different genres of motorsports um, and automotive kind of helps bring in that whole universe. So, you know, we started that motoring invitational on the Wednesday morning of press day that brings in all the really cool icons within the industry. And it mm -hmm. helps that I know those people through, mm -hmm. you know, 15 years, 16 years on the agency business doing different automotive stuff. What are some of the icons that have showed up and been a part of that? Well, this year is going to be fun. So um, Jonathan Ward with Icon. Makes yep. sense. Yeah. Uh, and he's bringing out his FJs um, and his Broncos that he does. Mm -hmm. And some of those, um, what does he call them? His derelict, the Buick. Yeah, the yeah. derelicts. Those are amazing. I love those. And, of course, Magnus Walker's coming out and Rob Dickinson with Singer Automotive. Oh, cool. Um, and then we'll have some kind of the old school guys like Vic Edelbrock Jr., uh, is going to come out. I love calling him Vic Edelbrock Jr. when he's in his 80s. Yeah. yeah. Um, and who else? It's a, oh, you know, Adam Carolla is going to come out with some stuff. We got a couple uh, drifters from the Formula D series that will mm -hmm. be there. We're hoping to get all the winners from the NHRA finals that will be the weekend before to come out. Oh, that would be cool. If they don't blow up the yeah. vehicles. If and, they still have a car to bring out. Yeah, if they still have a car yeah. to bring out. Um, uh Justin Bell is going to drive something special from Jaguar that will actually end up being a debut at the Motoring Invitational. Okay. Wow. So I can't really talk about that. So it's a pre, pre uh, it's an early debut. It's an early debut, and I think what we're going to do is have him drive up. So it, it starts at 7, and by 7.20, he's going to drive up. I'm sure it'll be loud. For the For the listeners, what is the Motoring Invitational? Good point. So the Motoring Invitational is a trade day only event that happens. So the LA Auto Show is really two shows in one. It's three days of, of industry events, and then it opens up to the public for 10 days. So on the trade side of it, where we get about 16,000 auto industry uh, executives to come out, um, the opening morning of press days, we do a special kind of cars and coffee event. It's yep. really like cars and coffee, but it's an invite only event. And so it's people that are recognized really within the industry that have some really uh, fascinating cars. Yeah, and you stories know, notable, notable car guys, notable automotive journalists, podcast hosts from a museum. You know, exactly. just 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 you know, for an example, people <laughs> like that show up. I, no, I understand. It sounds like no, it, it sounds like a ton of fun. And the LA Auto Show is just it's so iconic in Los Angeles as that's where you go see the newest, the latest, greatest. How many cars. years has it been around? 
1907 was the first show. Wow. So 100 and this will be the 100th and 8th? Well, technically, there were a few years where the show didn't happen. During sure. the war. During the war. Um, so I don't well, know. Well, could be a number of wars. <laughs> the la- the latest and greatest tank <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. uh, built by the Cadillac factory. The Sherman. The, yeah. the 1934 Sherman getting concept yeah. unveiled here. Uh, this is also, I heard, the year of the biggest amount of debuts. So it's the definitely the most amount of global debuts. Okay. You know, the LA Auto Show was always on top of Detroit. And so it's... If you were a, a media person and you wanted to launch a car, you had to pick one show or the other. You couldn't really do yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. And so the L.A. show suffered because of that. Um, you know, in my opinion, I think L.A. should have always, because of the importance of the market um, and because of the car culture that's here, should have always probably been a more predominant show. I mean, this is where press is. This is where media Did they, is. Second largest media market, yeah. largest car market, largest luxury car market, biggest green market. You did know, LA and Detroit used to be at different times of year? And then for, did they, was there a reason they ended up overlapping? I don't know. I think they've just kind of always been about really? the same time. I don't remember the, you know, the origins of it, but at least in the past 25 years, since the Detroit show became the North American international auto uh-huh. show, there's been a conflict. You know, before the before then, Chicago was the big auto show because it was the big metropolitan city. It wasn't yeah. until just about 25 years ago did Detroit really emerge as a, as the um, predominant show. And nothing against the Motor City, but not a whole lot going on in Detroit right now. It's it's well, there's there's you know, I think the population out here is much more diverse. Yes. and their tastes in automobiles much more diverse. So I think it makes sense for LA to have the show. Yeah. You know? And is there a competition, not just between you guys in Detroit, but you versus all the other auto shows? I mean, is there a sort of a fight for, Hey Honda, you might want to debut this car here. Or, hey Jaguar, we would love your new car to come here. You know, I would put it this way that each show tries to differentiate itself. Okay. So, you know, we do try to, to point out that, yes, you know, you can get the press coverage here because we're the second largest media market, but since we're the largest car buying market, you also get a lot of consumers that like to right. buy a lot of different brands, so it's a bit of a twofer. Uh, you know, Detroit is a really important show. It's a great show. It gets ton to, tons of media coverage. It's where the industry lives and works, at least the U.S. industry. So if you're a supplier and you want to reach decision makers, it's a good show to go to, do, to conduct business. But the L.A. Auto Show, I mean, one in three EVs are sold here. We can't even get wow. that Fiat 500e anywhere than California and Oregon yeah. right now, yeah. right? Uh, one in every four hybrids is sold here. I and mean, you still go to Detroit and you don't see a lot of Japanese cars on the road or yeah. German cars. Not a lot a of pre-I. Not a lot of pre-I, especially not like here. Yes. So, so the automakers know they can get really good media coverage. And by the way, they might sell some cars to consumers or get people to consider their vehicle and add it to their consideration set. Yeah, and especially with the high-end stuff, you know, here is not such a crazy idea that a a guy in cargo shorts and flip-flops would be poking around a Ferrari booth and get sold on, eh, maybe I should pick up a Ferrari. It happens all the time. Oh, I'm sure it does. I mean, you you get people here, the, the, the rich guy of Los Angeles, I feel like, isn't the necessarily the rich guy of Detroit. They're... They're a little harder to tell here. Everyone's a little more casual. Everyone's a little more laid back. So the guy who that can afford the the California tea. Yeah, sometimes he looks like he should be, you know, working on the car, not owning it. You know, you brought up you brought up Magnus Walker, who was a great example of 
probably has one of the most illustrious Porsche collections in the world. You would never expect that because he yeah. looks like Rob Zombie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. he. he I, we've heard stories of him going to concourses. Them going, uh, sir, you can't come in here. You, right. you know, they think he's a transient. Yeah, he actually has grease under his fingernails because yeah. he wrenches on the cars. Yeah, you know, so so it's it's a little it's a it's more diverse and a little more sub not subdued, but uh, we all sort of blend no, more I, together. I, I've been I'm guilty of that same judgment at the show. I'll be standing there with some guy exactly in jean shorts and a ball cap, you know, looking at a car, talking to me, and I'm thinking, this guy not buying this car and then he pulls out his phone and he shows me all of his cars and he's got a stable of like eight cars yeah. each over $125,000 I'm like oh okay so, so do, you, yeah. do you this is uh, someone who needs a VIP ticket <laughs> yeah exactly do you get a lot of uh, celebrities that walk through the show I would imagine that's kind of difficult to do with the crowd you know we do and each one is really different and they want different treatment. So we had Steve Carell one time come and he wanted to come very late and come in a side door and he walked around by himself really and he went through so fast, and he was gone. Does not strike me as someone who would want to go check out cars. Came by himself and cruised around. And then you have someone um, like you know Sean Penn and Tom Cruise came one year with their whole posses, and it was such a mob scene that we actually had to pull them off the show floor, take them up to our offices, and wait for – it was towards the end of the show anyway. Yeah. And wait for everyone to clear out and then bring it back down. So wow. now you're going to have to do press and trade day, general public day, and celebrity day, celebrity rich guy day, <laughs> celebrity Joe Rich guy day. Every day is celebrity Joe Rich guy day in Los Angeles. That that is true. What are some of the uh, more? You know, it's it's great for people watching there because there's so many diff- different people from all different walks of life. What are some of the more interesting people that you've uh, seen perusing the show? There's there's got to be some stories there. You know, I had a fun tour that I gave to Michael Eisner, and we got a call because he wanted to bring his bodyguard and he was going to have firearms on him, right? Sure. So they need to make sure it was cool to have someone come in packing, <laughs> right? So I'm like, uh, yeah, sure, I guess. You know, I didn't check it with anyone. And we met him down at Valet, and he came in with, it was Michael Eisner, his son, and his grandson, and it was just really cool. And they were both, um, Michael Eisner and his son are both Volt owners, surprisingly. Oh, wow. I thought they were going to want to see you know, all the expensive cars. And they, they were just all about the Volt. They were trying to sell me on a Volt. I think it's amazing. The grandson knew more about cars than both of them combined, and oh, maybe even funny. me. He was running around. No, he knew everything. He's asking me questions. I couldn't answer him. And then we went down to the aftermarket hall, and Michael Eisner loved those big old conversion vans, and he yeah. wanted to keep one parked up at the ranch in Colorado or whatever. He called you it know. his portable passion pit. He did. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we traded stories about uh, lovemaking in vans. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I'm just trying to think Michael Eisner working a, a conversion van into the Is next it, cars. He'll be the keynote yeah. speaker in a couple of years uh, for uh, for opening press day. Yeah, uh, exactly. Talking about passion pits. What are, what are some of your favorite parts or aspects of the car show? Well, my favorite part of working for the auto show is how many people feel tied and associated with the auto industry. And so there's not a person I can talk to that doesn't want to do something with the auto show. Yeah. Someone called me from Esquire Network, and they have a new show called um, Celebrity Car Matchmaker. Who was our guest yesterday. Spike. Spike, Spike yeah, we had Spike on. It was our last guest. Is our most recent guest. Yeah, so they're going to do a screening on um, on the Tuesday night at a restaurant right next door that we'll be you know, announcing and telling people to go to. And they're going to be shooting stuff at the show. And so everybody really, I mean, you're surprised it's especially this time of year. Yeah. I'm going to go back to my email and I'm going to have like 500 emails of people with new ideas of how to get involved yeah. in the show. 
but it's it's awesome. We're having this conversation with um, uh, the BBC about having the Stig show up on on press days and just walking around and hanging out at the press conferences. How cool. <laughs> yeah. So I get to do tons of fun. Like any idea that you can come up with, if it makes sense, yeah. we can go for it. We yeah. say, yeah, let's do that. That's going to be awesome. Like have the Stig or like just two guys who do a podcast from the basement of a museum. Any, any sort of crazy example like that. I know I'm going <laughs> to see you guys there. For <laughs> we'll sure. I'm sure there's a million we can think of. Well, and we, uh, we'll have a booth there. You'll have a booth there, yeah. We do. The museum's got a uh, got a booth there. And on the opening party, so the opening um, Tuesday night party, tons of fun stuff. So Pirelli has that calendar that they come yes. out with every year. That's really a ah, tough item to yes, get a hold that of. That's a great calendar. So they're going to be showing the making of. They have a short little fifteen minute um, film. They're going to show the making of that calendar, which I'm sure is going to be super sexy. We might have to check out for research purposes. Yes, over and over again. You know, for the archives. Pause. Pause. Fast forward. Pause. And so then we'll be raffling off some of the calendars there. So you have a chance to win one of those calendars. I think they go on like eBay for. You probably won't be able to hang that next to your Galpin calendar. No, that's not going to go in my cubicle no. outside, uh, you know, sitting in between uh, HR departments. No, I don't. It's classy. It's like Playboy. It's art. It's art. It is art. And then um, I don't know if you know, uh, the Razor Scooter company came yeah. out with uh, Crazy Cart. Yeah, now they're going to do yeah. the global debut of Crazy Cart XL, which is like an adult size crazy cart. I saw that, and the, the, <laughs> I saw the video, and the only thing I could think of: how has nobody sued them yet? Yeah, that is a broken wrist waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to have at the preview party, they're going to have four or five crazy carts there so for demo right yeah so you can just rip around on the on the once street. again for educational purposes <laughs> for educational we're gonna have to purposes. Check, check them out so we're really trying to to integrate fun stuff that yeah like you said everyone who's a car guy at one point or a car girl early on just wanted anything with the motor and the crazy cart is that right oh so, yeah definitely you know i can see justin bell out there on the crazy cart or get some of the Absolutely. drifters out there yeah the next the generation cart. of drifter will attribute their crazy cart for yeah. what got them into going sideways. You, know, you, you speak of uh, of drifting again. I just wanted to get back to something. You know, we were talking about Vaughn Gittin Jr. And I watched him uh, uh, one of the years. Was he doing a Mustang or something, I think? He did a – no, it was Ken Block. Ken Block was uh, – With the Focus With ST. the Focus ST. Which is a car it brought all the, uh, you know, all the media, which is kind of interesting when you go to media day because the place is – sort of empty it's not really there are a lot of people there but they're all in this big group that goes from booth to booth and there's a very very um uh very uh fast timeline through the whole day and you have to be at this booth at this time to see this debut and then you go to then the whole group goes in mass to the next booth and it's all the automotive journalists and it's really cool and i remember ford was uh debuting that car and they said okay everybody uh you know we talked about the cars now we need to go outside and they took us all out through this doorway and we had no idea what was going on and you're out on this cement pad and all, all of a sudden this video starts playing and then this car comes flying out of nowhere and starts doing donuts and doing all kinds of stuff till there was so much smoke you couldn't even see the car and i thought you know that's a pretty cool way to get attention and to get the media to talk about you what are some of the other types of uh, you know dramatic uh, displays that some of the other uh, uh, manufacturers have done over the years to try to get that kind of excitement and attention over the product. You know, that is one of my favorite ones, and we were just, we took that clip and we were editing it for some of our Facebook ads, so I love that one, and it's one yeah. of my favorites. 
This year, I can tell you that Fiat, and they're unveiling the 500X, which is the crossover for Fiat. Okay. And they have an unveil. I saw a, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this, but I'll tell you anyway. I saw a, a preview of their unveil, and they have this thing harnessed to the spinning pole. And they this thing spins so fast, it just looks incredibly dangerous. So the this thing gets covered, yeah. and it just spins revolutions on the stage, and then something like the cover flies off. Wow. And uh, I know we can't run that one by the fire marshal because I think he'll say no. It looks like it's just going to fly into the crowd. I'm sure there's got to be a, hey, look over there as we unveil this real quick. I mean, didn't Jaguar, someone just flew, I mean, took a car, just sped it right through the crowd for the F-type coupe unveiling. And I mean, there's all these just giant, larger-than-life unveilings. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had any super crazy ones like the car on the ice rink or the Jeep flying through the plate glass window or the the steer stampede through town. But uh, I think we're going to start seeing more of that now that we've come out of the, you know, the bottom falling out of the auto industry in 2008, 2009. So I think (laughs) this year and moving forward, you're going to start to see more theatrics in the unveils. And and it would make sense for this town to have drama and theatrics in all their debuts. A little gaudy, a little over the top. A little crazy, you know? I mean, this is, this town is all about building, or creating things and building these these relationships and and creating uh, interesting television and film and that sort of thing. Why not do crazy debuts here? You know? Well, you know, a trend that we're seeing and it, it doesn't help the the consumer, but the automakers are doing more unveils at offsite events. So last year, Audi craned an A3 up to the top of I was the SLS or the mm-hmm. London Hotel or something. Um, so everyone picks these big studio sites or offsite hotels, and then they do some dramatic things. And Mazda is doing a private party at the. Um, so you can get all the focus on themselves. Y- yeah, and, and that, that's where they tend to do their dramatic unveils, and then they all just bring in tons of celebrities. Mm-hmm. So I can hook a couple of podcast hosts from Peterson up to some yeah. of these parties happening. I was going to say because you know, I bet those guys Andrea, they can. Oh, oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to. Yeah, uh, I, I could probably make that happen. No, I was I was just telling I was telling Chris the cool stuff is the stuff that goes on all around it. Just the you know it's sort of like a under the radar who's who car festival of partying all over the sea. It, it's not just downtown. Things are yeah. happening in Beverly Hills and Santa Monica. Uh, Fiat's throwing some party with Rolling Stone at the Lowe's in Santa Monica. They all just try to outdo each other. They try to outdo each other. How much, and maybe you would actually probably be the one to know, and maybe you can't even tell, but how much do you think in this two-week span the automotive industry spends on this event? There would be no, I mean, even the lighting packages alone in the convention center are in the millions I, I, it, per manufacturer. Yeah, GM geez. will spend wow. a couple mil on their lighting package alone. Wow. So th- that just gives you a, a hint of, so I can't even calculate. It has to be into the it's probably at least a billion. A billion dollars pumped into the economy. That's there. what I'm saying. A huge, I mean, you know, that I don't know if you guys have been to the Hyundai party that they throw every year at the Hotel Fig, but they're bringing in Joan Jett as the, wow. you know, How the cool. performer. And they just packed that entire hotel. And last year they had the plexiglass uh, cover over the pool and they had mermaids swimming in there and then they had zombies walking around and wow. so I mean, mermaids and zombies yeah it was just a eclectic mix of crazy cool sounds things. like a movie on the usa network or something yes. yeah mermaids exactly and zombies. 
So, I mean, Zombie each, mermaids. The world's worst Roger Corman movie. <laughs> each one of those parties is going to be a half a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, good to be the automaker, I guess. Well, it's great for LA, too. You know, I mean, just the. Right. All the taxes and all that stuff that, that comes in as a result of all that. It's great for the economy. Well, you know, the city specifically, and this is a little inside baseball, but they really look at hotel room nights for mm-hmm. us. So, you know, we'll probably have 16,000 hotel room nights. And then, you know, those little taxes that you see on the your bed receipt. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. That goes directly into the city's general fund. So they love when the auto show I comes bet, to yeah. town. Yeah, I'm sure every the... room is booked. Every room is booked. Yeah, and that's the largest uh, consumer show in Southern California, right? It's it's the largest event at the convention center. It's twenty five percent of its annual revenue, twenty Jeez. to twenty five percent of its annual revenue. Um, there are some other tra- like E threes is a bigger trade show, and they probably do about thirty thousand hotel room nights. You mean yeah. to tell me Hello Kitty Con isn't just dominating this year, <laughs> or Adult Con? Yeah, okay, or Adult Con, I guess, or one that. of the half a dozen adult cons it seems like every couple of months there's another one there but our press and trade days have grown to where we're we're approaching that you know getting up to at least half the size of an e3 trade show yeah um and there is some crossover i mean like you look at something like forza well at e3 we'll have car stuff the la auto show will have some car video game simulators like what goes on with the connected aspect of of the auto show so, and you're referring specifically to that Connected Car Expo that yeah, we yeah, launched yeah. on the... So, th- I mean, that has become a huge, huge debate, and I spend a, a lot of my time talking to really smart people in that space. We have this advisory board that we set up that mm-hmm. are all from different walks of life within the technology car converging area, and the people on the inside believe that the auto industry is transforming completely from how cars are made, sold, serviced, and even owned. Okay. And so... The Connected Car Expo is really going to be talking about all those things. So something like a Tesla who is going through sort of that debate right now of dealers and franchising. Exactly. And then you look at uh, both Mercedes and BMW have their own car sharing brands that they've launched. So mm-hmm. now they think, well, hey, if people are going to share cars, why don't we have like our a own? Zip car or a... Like a Zipcar. They have cars to go, I believe, is... Is that Mercedes or BMW? So Do you they, think they're trying to get ahead of what happened in like the music industry with exactly, iTunes? exactly? And it happened in the you know the book right, Barnes and Noble, Amazon take yeah. that over, and it happened in the music industry. So the the people that I end up talking to that are really deep and paying attention to this look at the whole auto industry is changing. So you mentioned it with the dealer, how dealers sell, and mm-hmm. will the the dealer role change dramatically? Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, how cars are serviced now that you have um, uh, updates over the air, you know, via the cloud. I, I got an email. My my sync system was I could never plug in my iPod. It wasn't working, and I was this close because I'm I procrastinate. I was this close to getting around to calling the dealer to make a service appointment. I get an email that says you have an update. You know, download this onto a thumb drive, plug it into your car, let your car run for thirty minutes. Worked fine. I mean, just a whole sync electronic update via thumb drive i did myself yeah so that's changing so now the yeah. manufacturer is going to have a relationship directly with the consumer and that's even more clunky it's going to be you just get an alert on your screen that says you know when you turn your park your car and turn it off hit this button and it will update update you know, it's automatically just happen via the cloud big brother is already connected to your car right? oh yeah i mean <laughs> forget that you're already they know everything i'm driving around this little you know fiat 500e and every time i turn it off it 
throws the data up of where I've been and how long I was there. And you're like, it's, it's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. And then you have the app that tells you, you know, it's supposed to just tell you that your car is charging, but it knows that it's like all connected. Yeah. Know? I saw Ford had like a hackathon uh, for their electronics and somebody came up with, I think whoever, this is whoever won the hackathon was wherever you park will know who's in your car with you, you and your friends in your car will check all of you into that location on Facebook. And I went, we've just jumped the shark. That's too much I don't technology. Yeah. I don't need to go, you know, for when Chris goes to his adult con for research purposes. Right. It well, we'll just go in Brendan's be... pickup truck because yeah. it's old enough. To yes, that's why you have to have a vintage car in case you want to do something <laughs> that's, creepy. That's off the grid. Yeah, you were talking. Tell us more about your, your truck and kind of what automotively you're into. You know, your personal stuff. You know, I'm... I like to mix it up. I'm really kind of a contradiction. So, I, you know, I'm driving a, a brand new Fiat 500E, which I love. The thing's like a toy. Yeah. You know, yeah. It makes me feel like I'm a kid, and it's fast as hell, and you plug it in. So yeah. that's kind of cool. They're, yeah. that, I think that's sort of like one of the very first cars that's the sort of more affordable electronic cars. And it'll fit in the bed of your truck. Yeah. It would fit in the Yeah, I joke around about that. But, I mean, the... The, I'm paying like 180 bucks a month for the top of the line yeah. e-sport package with sunroof. My gas alone in my you know, Ford Edge that I was driving was 240. Yeah, I saw an ad. I, it was one of the Fiat dealers, Elise, you know, the the bare bones one. No money down, 12,000 miles, three years, 99 bucks a month. Yeah, it's everyone's like, how, been telling me about that deal, and I'm like, what? That's how can you need my, that though? It's just it's like a free car. It's like yeah. someone's paying you to drive. Yeah, yeah I, I spend, I mean, I, I get great gas mileage. I spend probably 100 bucks a month in, just in gas. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you're, you're basically getting a free car. And I'm still waiting on a check from the state for $2,500. Right. Yeah, because right? all the rebates, yeah. But then to answer your question, so that's kind of fun for me. But then if I'm going to drive something that's not good for the planet and you good for my wallet. You expand your carbon footprint a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm offsetting my own. Yeah. Um, I love old, stinky, loud, noisy cars that you can actually feel the explosions taking place yeah. under the hood um i had an old 66 plymouth satellite that i loved uh, but now i have kids so i want to get it and i have a a fixer upper home so i said what kind of old car can i get that will take care of my kids and my fixer upper home and so i got a, a 75 ford f-250 super cab that will do it yeah, and so one year before smog so you don't have to deal with all that exactly, exactly. is super the four-door it's a two-door, but it has a big back, um, oh, bench seat. extended back. It's an extended back. That's a cool truck. Kind of rare, yeah. too, because most people were still buying single cabs at that time. Yeah, it's it's harder to find those. And then, surprisingly, no one really is fixing up F-150s and F-250s. They're all fixing up Chevys. C-10s because, are the yeah. big C-10s, But I think, right? I think that body style of truck is slowly starting to come around. I'm starting to see more of them that are... You know, maybe not show trucks, but are clean ones driving around than he used to. Yeah, you see all the hipsters in Venice cruising yeah. around some old vintage trucks, and but you also see a lot of them still with leaf blowers and and rakes in the back. Yeah, they're work trucks. So people yeah, are still they just keep them. going. They're just <laughs> yeah, workhorses. And uh, to bring up you know, Jonathan Ward again, you should check out his power. Was it the, the Dodge? Yeah, he the did Dodge a power wagon. power wagon, kind of of the same era. Mm-hmm. Very, I think you would really like it. Very just mid sixties. Yeah. Looks stock, but pickup. yeah, probably awesome. has three hundred grand into it oh. in, in fabrication and customization. <laughs> but then you look at it and go, "What'd you do to it?" Yeah. You know, it looks like you know right. a derelict or very or clean. Everything else he's worked on, but yeah, if you if you want to go down the customizing truck route, that might be a, a neat canvas to 
to look at. Yeah, those are cool trucks. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of interesting. Pickup trucks, they used to be really tiny inside. Like you could, if you sat upright in the seat, you know, your head was almost rubbing the, the ceiling and the, the steering wheel was in your belly. And your headrest was the glass. Your headrest was the glass. And then they kind of got a little bit bigger. And like your truck, there's a little bit more space in there. And in the in the 80s, they all kind of had the same amount of space in there. And then all of a sudden, like a couple of years ago, trucks got gargantuan. I think it started when <laughs> when Dodge in, what was it, 92, 93, when they had that front end that sort of looked like a semi-truck. Right. And the truck was still kind of the same size, but it all of a sudden, we all have to have macho trucks. So then trucks keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and now they're like semis. Yeah, the know, super so. crew. Yeah. yeah, you get yeah. into a Dodge Ram now. You like feel like a child inside if you're If someone's in the driver's seat and you're diagonal to them in the in the back, you got to shout. I mean, that is a far. <laughs> oh yeah, that big four door is crazy. Yeah. If you're in a, if you're a dad and you got your you can't swat back there to you yes. know say hey quit it. They're so far behind you now. And then they throw those so ram big. boxes in on the side, and then yeah. you have this little tiny bed, and then you have you know these giant yeah. four door. Yeah, I love. Yeah, those, and they, so. you walk up to the hood. And you're, you know, you're looking at the logo on the top of the hood is eye level. Yeah, and <laughs> to, I don't know how you work on them anymore. To bring it back to ladder. the tech, though, because because they're work trucks. You, now you're seeing in these trucks GPS, USB ports, Wi-Fi. You can hook a printer up to it if you're on a contractor site. Is, is so is tech sort of to go back to the auto show? Is that what everyone the tradi- you know not the tradition but the the what's the word I'm thinking of the theme of these cars to show sort of the millennial look how much we've packed into this or yeah the the convergence of technology in the car is going to be a huge huge story and when you see our ad campaign actually that's up probably around the peterson on some of the light yeah we see my fairfax and it says car or computer yes so i mean that's really it cars are becoming really computers are becoming the ultimate ultimate mobile device and surprisingly trucks have some of the best because you said they're rolling offices and not only is it on connectivity and wi-fi and all that kind of stuff but the technology they put in there to make these things feel efficient. I mean, if you have a, if you're a contractor and you got five of these things rolling around and you're dumping gas into these yeah. things, so they need fuel efficiency more than most people because yeah. the gas bill is part of their business. Yeah, you see these new F-150s with a with this turbo four and them. Well, that's I gotta get aluminum one of those. body. I gotta get one of those. That's like tw- you're getting 23 miles of the gallon in a truck, in a yeah. full size truck. It's insane. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it's like to you know try to tow with one of those or you know do put a load in the back and see what it's like going up a hill. But I, I'm looking forward to checking it out at the show. Um, you know, when you talk about big trucks, they're also connected. I've read uh, that they, uh, they have ways of connecting them with the inventory back in the, at the job site and that sort of technology that's in them. And I think it's just amazing. Your, your truck, your pickup truck is now smarter than your home computer smarter was only a couple of years ago. You know, Absolutely. I mean, it, it's so fast. The, the technology that's come through now. Are you guys looking for new ways to, to, uh, you know, display this kind of technology at the show? Or how, it it seems like there's a lot of like electronic infrastructure that the building's going to have to have, and the show's going to have to have to support what these car companies are trying to display. So, yeah, that was a problem in the past where you just it was hard. You didn't have the internet access and the Wi-Fi around for to do these demos inside the convention center. And we've been really encouraging all the automakers to bring really good demos. So what you're going to see this year are specific pieces of their exhibit that work as demos. So you can demo this technology. So they're actually building it into their exhibit space. And you're going to see more of that 
this year than ever. And then some of them, we have more ride and drives too. We have yeah. 21 different brands doing ride and drives for the consumer. You had a bunch of i3s, I think, last year and Hondas out in front. Yeah, uh, that, and that was pretty cool. And then Ford is doing in that same space that you were talking about um, with the with the intro. They're going to have um, their park assist demos. So the car, you know, the Fords have mm-hmm. parked themselves and they're going to have ride and drives all around the convention center. Like I said, 21 different brands. So, and you know, Honda has a bunch of new um, connected technology. They just unveiled the near autonomous stuff. I was so just going to say, how close to autonomous are we getting in these debuts? You, you know, it's funny. I mean, everyone's talking about it, right? Yeah. Everyone's making announcements that they just got mm-hmm. permits to have the first autonomous vehicle in California and everyone, you know, Audi is running up Pikes Peak, and everyone has all this news, and and Volvo is going to be making some news about their Drive Me autonomous vehicle, and Volvo is really moving fast into that autonomous space. Um, But I don't think we're going to have any on the floor that you can actually ride in. So there's a lot of talk about it. We're not quite there. Not quite there. Um, So I know Audi was going to bring a vehicle, and it would work on the freeway. So it's kind of on-ramp to Mm off-ramp. Gotcha. which makes sense. Which is how you'd probably use it most of the time anyway. Yeah. So we're really close. You know, the new uh, Mercedes S-Type um, or S-Class uh, will slow, will stop for you, and it will accelerate. You know, it has that kind of adaptive cruise, but even works in town. Mm-hmm. Um, it nudges you back in the lane. So there's a lot of near autonomous but technology it's not gonna now. it's going to make a left for you. It's not going to... It's and But we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, so I think, like everything, I remember the, you know... I remember at the show we announced the electric car era has arrived, and it was just right. the leaf and the volt. Right. right? <laughs> so now the electric car era has arrived. Yeah. yeah. You know, there, I mean, there's going to be a dozen of them on the show floor. So it's going the same thing's going to happen with autonomous vehicles. So now it's all about autonomous vehicles, but it's going to be a while. There's right. a lot yeah. of hype. Five about years it right from now, now. everybody yeah. will have one in their booth. Yeah, but right now there's just a lot of hype and a lot of talk, which is important because it's the, there's a lot of ramifications for autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that'll be a big topic of discussion at, uh, the connected car expo. And there's one specifically, you know, there's some knock on effects of autonomy. I mean, look at the, the Google car. Google didn't make that car. What did they white label that car? Someone made that car and they put the Google badge on it. Right. So there's even a discussion about, you know, we talked about how the auto industry is changing and how cars are manufactured is changing. I mean, there may be factories in China that are pumping out cars and brands are just putting their brand on it you know yeah, taking their many, design like the fashion industry how many new industry. car brands are we going to see over the next few years you, you, know? you don't know you yeah. don't know and the, and so there may be the there may be the cars that are the connected commuter cars like did you ever see that movie minority report yeah mm-hmm. I remember it was a lexus branded car yep. yeah. they all snapped in line together and were cruising around so there could be some form of that there could be you know lexus could come out with a big autonomous fleet yeah, or it's you have made a company by a factory like, in China, like yeah. Uber, who wants to go completely autonomous and just you've got a little pod that comes and picks you up, takes you where you need to go. Yeah, so that'll probably happen. So, so the car as part of an intermodal transportation solution is really where people seem to think yeah. it's going. It doesn't mean cars are going to go away. And with the population growth, you couldn't just keep putting everyone in their own car anyway. So it doesn't mean that the total number of cars is going to go down. It doesn't mean people are going to stop buying cars. So we're gonna have a it's bunch just of people cities on this like planet. LA need a different solution. Yes. Yeah, and and I heard a stat that said ninety percent of people are gonna be living in urban areas by, you know, twenty twenty or whatever it is. So you're gonna need that. And instead of cars, instead of being public transportation and intermodal transportation, and then cars over here in their own category, cars are just gonna blend with that, and they're actually gonna work within the intermodal system. 
I'm okay with autonomy with autonomous cars as long as it solves the problem of living in Los Angeles of people who won't pull up to the bumper in front of them when parallel parking. Nothing makes yeah. me more mad than I go, <laughs> if you would have pulled up four more inches, I could get into this spot. So yeah. is, if we can You won't solve, be parallel parking anymore. Yeah, but, but if we can solve that problem, I'm, yeah. I'm golden. Yeah, or the people that leave so much space in front of them at the signal that you can't get in the left-hand turn lane and the oh, arrow's yeah. turning. And you're, you're sitting there going, just one inch over, I would yeah, get right Yeah, you're going to drive around. into yeah. oncoming traffic to get around them. Yeah, Ooh. I want that car to move up on its own because it's smarter the, than the, the driver. That, but the thing that worries me about uh, the autonomous car deal is that there will be times where you're not driving the car autonomously. And just like uh, any other form of technology, when it comes in and replaces something that you used to do for yourself, when the time comes that you have to do that on your own, you're not very good at it. You're going to lose the muscle. So, <laughs> yeah. So it does kind of worry me that, uh, you know, people, when, when the autonomy uh, shuts off and they're out in the middle of nowhere and they want to drive their car, that, you know, could be a little dangerous. And <laughs> yeah. we're going to kill the valet parking industry. You got to think of that because yes. now you just get out in front of the restaurant, and say, "All right, see you later, car. Go, go take a lap." Well, you yeah, know, those, you know uh, it'll be parked okay and be safe. Go gas yourself up. I'll see you in an hour. Yeah. Come on, come pick me up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Volkswagen had already. They had that demo that would do that of the car that would go park itself. And you look at the all the shopping malls that have those nice little handy red and green lights that they yeah. have, that's already an infrastructure for the for the parking garage to talk to your car. Yeah. yeah. So that whole vehicle-to-vehicle communication thing is happening now. Yeah. I think we've learned the future is now. The only thing now that we're good, you, you and I want this to make this your personal need to focus on, catching whoever is stealing the shift knobs at the car shop. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes my heart cry more than when you get into a car at the car show and I go, why would someone do this? There's no fun in it. Do you feel better? You stole a shift knob. I know. I it just it's 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 like the we can't solve that problem, but everything else we're good. Now, now you talk about uh, the future, and one of my favorite aspects is all, as well as probably a lot of people has always been the concept cars. What kind of exciting concept cars do we have coming out this year? Ooh, we have a ton of concept cars, and one of them that is a bit of a mystery is this Audi concept car that they've been. Uh, kind of teasing mm-hmm. and they have a new head designer i believe his name is Pernark, uh, mark licht is the new audi uh, head of design i believe so yeah and they're going to be unveiling their concept car some people have been calling it the a9 audi is not calling it the a9 but mm-hmm. it's been speculated in the media and it's going to be this flagship concept car that's going to hint towards the design language of audi moving forward Wow. I didn't think Audi needed to redesign their cars yet. I thought they still looked no, pretty progressive. Still pretty but they've got to find the next look because their cars have evolved um, and they look fantastic, but they've all kind of evolved. Now, what do you do? You know, you've got to come up with that whole new look so that you keep the excitement in your product line. So, yeah, they want to be cool to see. They want to stay ahead of that. And that's a big um, debut for them. And I'm going to, I got I know we have a bunch of, well, remember last year when, um, Mercedes came out with that really crazy concept car that was a Gran Turismo car. That thing was mm-hmm. so wild. Okay, yeah. we're going to have two of those from different brands this year. Very so, cool. That's kind of fun. Subaru did, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Toyota did one last year as well that was at the mm-hmm. Detroit Auto Show. So we're going to have a couple of those concepts, some some, some wild, just kind it of It seems fun like concepts. the touring car is coming back, which is neat. And then... Um, I believe the new is the Ford Explorer that they just announced. Will that be concept? No, I think that is the production version of the okay. Ford Explorer that's going to make it. So the redesigned Ford Explorer, which mm-hmm. is pretty big news. Um, is that a complete or a facelift? 
I think it's just a. Re- I imagine a, it's an interim. They just yeah, yeah. it's an interim. Um, uh, Lexus has a concept they're coming out with, which they haven't announced yet. Um, Mercedes has a concept they're coming out with, which they haven't announced yet. That may be breaking some news right here All on right. the awesome. Peterson podcast. Um, who else? Uh, Mini is bringing out a concept that is. It's been out a little bit, but it's that Super Ligera, Super Ligera concept. Have you seen that one? I have not. Have it's you seen yeah, it? it's uh, it like kind of a coach-built coach built lightweight roadster mini. Oh, okay. If I'm gotcha. thinking of the right one. That sounds cool. Yep, and Maserati's going to have that Alfieri concept that's only been, I think, at Pebble, and that thing's beautiful. That would be great Does it see. cook food? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Does it wear sunglasses on the back of its head? <laughs> yeah, right. And then, oh, um... As a Guy Fieri joke. Okay. Yeah. I, I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. I just thought there was some Italian guy I didn't know about that no. you all knew. <laughs> so you were looking at me bl- with a blank stare. So I, um, I thought my shift knob joke died. Yours. <laughs> Your shift knob just got stolen? My shift knob joke was bad. Your Guy Fieri <laughs> reference was terrible. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about, the shift knobs. Um, and then you know, uh, Scion just announced they're coming out with the IM concept. So that's an all-new badge for Scion. It's an oh, all-new vehicle for Scion. That'll be very wow. cool. So that, that is what kind of, of vehicle uh, do you know? What it is? Or are you even allowed to say what shape of a car is it? Is it a two door, four door? I don't know. They've just put out a teaser image. It's small. Gotcha. They got some neat stuff coming up for Cyan's Cyan's going to build a small car. Yeah, really good for them. <laughs> good for them to think outside <laughs> of their norm. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting, but. Um, it's going to be there's always good concept cars and design stuff yeah, yeah. well anybody who wants to check it out uh it's going on november 21st through the 30th uh you can get their hashtag on twitter twitter.com la auto show or hashtag la auto show and go buy your tickets get all your info at laautoshow.com and it's a there's probably no better way to just hang out and you know wander What's, around than at the LA Auto if, Show. If somebody wants to go to the show and they'd like to go on a day when there's less crowds, when, what's what's the optimum time to go and be able to kind of see with, with less people around? Yeah, so, of course, any weekday. Uh, weekday evenings are kind of fun. Um, we're open pretty late. And then, you know, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is a great day. And then, actually, Thanksgiving Day, we're open. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you probably need to get out of the house anyway when there's all the chaos. Sure, I need to work off all that. You know, walk off or do an early morning Thanksgiving day, just be gone, and then when, by the time you get back home, it's just ready to just in time. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, we're looking forward to it. Brandon Flynn, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having thanks, me. On. It was fun. Mm-hmm.